It's the next level. Hey, my name is Ross Marquand and I play Red Skull. You are listening to Panels to Pixels podcast. Check it out. Tonight, a comedian died in New York. Somebody knows why. Somebody knows. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this week we're going to be covering Watchmen the movie, which came out in 2009. Now, Watchmen is pretty much like an iconic comic book series that went from 1986 to 1987. It was a 12-issue limited series, and it gained a lot of status over the years. I got it when it came out initially when I was collecting at that time. I was like a freshman in high school and I was still (laughs) way into that whole comic book collecting phase and I read each issue. And it was so iconic for the fact that it was very aggressive and very harsh with its topic and tone. Kind of like with The Dark Knight when The Dark Knight Returns came out by Frank Miller. Yeah, for, for me, I... You know, I remember when the comic series came out. I don't know why I didn't collect it. I did collect because I still have a first printing of The Dark Knight Returns, which was right around the same time. I have the, yeah. that four issue, maybe because it was it was going to be 12 issues. I knew that, that I wasn't going to stick around long enough to want to collect them all. I did pick up the trade a few years ago when it got reissued in the mid-2000s when, or right when the movie came out. I think they reissued the trade. Yeah. And so I, I have a copy of that on my bookshelf. And I may... It's been a while since I went through my old, really old comic books. I may have one or two issues, but I don't I don't think so. I know I have The Dark Knight Returns, but I don't, I don't think I have this one. This was a one-off, and a, it got cult status over the years. And then it wasn't until like the early 2000s when people were diving into DC's lore, like the Batman Returns thing after they started doing uh, Batman Returns 2 and, you know, most recently was Batman Returns Mm -hmm. 3, which did very well itself, too. Oh, really? I haven't even seen those. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, they... A lot of people have been getting into it, and it was right around that time in the early 2000s, that's when they wanted to do a movie. I think it had to do with uh, that Robert Rodriguez movie that came out that was uh, extreme, too, at that time. Hmm. Okay. Sin City. Sin City, right. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I think everybody wanted to jump into that bandwagon of yeah. those movies. And it's, and it actually grasps everybody's attention. And plus, the cinematography in both have that distinct look to them. So, I, I actually enjoy both. But we're, we're tonight we're just talking about watching. Watch, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we should start off the review with like what we loved about it. And uh, I'll start it off saying, you know, I just love the intro with the comedian, which was not originally in the comic book. All we had was the aftermath within the comic of what happened to the comedian. All you saw was his body going out the building or through the window out the you know window through down the building and it falling and you just see the the smiley face with the blood stain on it right and I okay thought this was extremely well done and uh props to jeffrey d morgan because it looked like he gained a lot of weight or he's just heavy set at that time but he had to play an older man yeah it was funny when i when i rewatched this the first time this weekend somehow i don't know what happened with my blu-ray it started at the credits, just the, the title sequence. So I completely missed the fight scene prior to that. And then something happened and I had to stop it in the middle and I had to come back later and restart it from the beginning. And it started with that fight scene 
with the comedian and who we find out at the end, of course, is Ozymandias. Ozymandias. There you go. That guy, we find out at the end is him. And I was like, oh, crap, I completely missed this scene when I started this movie. You know, I only watched it once this weekend, but it was so it was interesting that uh, that that's how it kind of happened with me. Yeah. And I love that beginning with the uh, the birds. Is it the birds? Yeah. This is a Bob Dylan song. But was it the birds when he was in the birds? They performed it that times they are a changing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I love that. And I love, I love how this movie takes those iconic images of the, of, of things that we know in our history, but it kind of twists them a little bit to make them watchmen history, you know, yeah. like, uh, like Silk Spectre kissing the, the nurse and um, <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. And I, I did not catch this until I read some trivia on it, but the very first image we see is the original night owl and he's beating up a mugger. And in the background, you can see a man, a woman, a child, and there are Batman playbill posters <laughs> on the wall. And meaning according to the trivia that I read, I didn't catch it when I watched it. I had to slow it down to actually, and pause it to actually see what this trivia, this trivia point was, was saying, but they're indicating that, that he rescued the Waynes. That it's to be that it was kind of Watchmen's way of kind of showing how Batman isn't in this world because the night the first Night Owl uh, rescued the Waynes. So I thought that was that was an interesting one. I had never caught that before, ever. I never did either. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, if you go back and watch, it's the very first image that you see when the credits start, and you can see like so you can see posters that say Batman on it, and then you can see a man, a woman, and a child in the background, kind of cowering, and Night Owl is beating up a mugger. And I, I thought it was interesting that they didn't, when they made the movie, they didn't try to update when it takes place. They went ahead and kept it in the 80s. They went ahead yes. and kept it, kept the actual date that is in the comic book. So I'm really glad, because like, there's a there's a big push now, especially with like the It movies and with other other things, when they're rebooting them, to not just reboot them, but kind of bring them forward into this time frame. And that's kind of what this the TV series is, is going to do, because I think the HBO, from what I understand, the HBO series is supposed to take place like 20 years after this movie. Yes. So it would put it right around our current time yeah closer to us but a little bit dated in its own sense right but i i love the idea that they actually flip-flop between 1985 and like the previous version which was uh the pre previous version of the watchmen yes I forget what they call them minutemen the minutemen there yeah yeah and it's that's a, I, I that's i had that later in my notes as well this whole this whole as they go back and forth between the minutemen and the watchmen because the comedian is the only one who spans both teams yeah so that, yeah i i totally agree i thought it was interesting at the very beginning when rorschach is going through comedian's apartment that he didn't realize that was the comedian like so is and I don't I didn't reread the trade this this weekend I just talk about Moloch. No, no. When he he finds comedian's uniform and stuff in that closet, he's searching through the closet and he sees the picture of the comedian with Richard Nixon and he realizes that the victim of this murder is the was. comedian. Yeah, was oh, yeah. the comedian. And that's how, yeah, and then that's right. how he was able to trace Moloch. That's right. Right, and that's how, but I, I, so I thought it was interesting that he knows because he kind of lists all the other heroes because he thinks, 
his first thought is that someone is targeting heroes. And and so he kind of lists where all the heroes are, except he didn't know where Comedian was. And, you know, as we find out later, it's not, they're not targeting all the heroes. They were just targeting certain ones to, to do this elaborate pr- plan with, you know, with Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. But yeah, so that was, the, that, that kind of jumped out at me is that Rorschach has kind of been keeping tabs on everybody. Like he knows that the aging Silk Spectre is in a nursing home. He knows where, well, obviously he knows where Night Owl 2 is because they were partners. He knows where Night Owl 1 is. He knows, he knows that, that this one guy is in the, is still in this, the insane asylum and that kind of, he just kind of runs down that list real quick in that, in that opening scene there when he thinks some people are targeting. Yeah. Definitely, and I love the fact that they actually do this like the comic where it's to Rorschach's uh, investigation of everything from Mm -hmm. the very beginning. Just him talking over, giving us dialogue of his investigation and his viewpoints. But it kind of splits off towards the middle of the movie at certain points, because we still get, just like in a comic, like with Dr. Manhattan, we get his backstory, Mm -hmm. how he came to be, and they talk about the Night Owl 2 and how he was able to get it from the previous Night Owl, and pretty much the interlaying relationships between, you know, with the comedian and, you know, that one character's daughter, and, yeah. Right. I, I'm never good with names, yeah. but, you know, they... Yeah, and I didn't I didn't write it down in my notes that uh, that it was uh, the, the Carla Gugino uh, character. Yeah, that she ends up actually having... He tries to rape her in one scene, and then, you know, years later, they actually do have a tryst, and the result is... That child the, is yeah is the child is um, my, um the current Silk Spectre. I was just thinking because that is very true to the actual comic itself. Mm-hmm. You know, which like they lead everything there that's scripted in this movie is I would say ninety eight point nine percent accurate to the comic. Yeah, the only thing, the big thing. They did, they changed the ending quite yes. a bit. Is the is that's the and this kind of troubled me. I remember the first time I watched the movie that it really troubled me because they made this very convoluted kind of plot that's meant to get rid of Doctor Manhattan, and it just it, it seemed to be very convoluted to me. Even watching it this time, going what? Why is <laughs> like like? They could have just uh, maybe maybe the actual ending of the comic. Maybe we should tell people. So if you haven't read the trade paperback or the or the comic book, the ending of the comic book is that Veet Ozymandias has been uh, building. He has taken a superhero who had like mind powers, and he's kind of cloned that guy and made him into this giant alien-looking thing that he uses Doctor Manhattan's powers to teleport into the middle of New York City, killing millions of people and making it look like there's this alien invasion attacking mm-hmm. earth and that is what brings the all the world powers superpowers together to mm-hmm. make this utopian world instead of so their 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 enemy is these aliens instead of Dr. Manhattan being the enemy as the movie does and so that it really is i, I guess on one hand i guess that ending makes more sense because you get rid of Dr. Manhattan at the same time of bringing everybody together and you realize that you put Dr. Manhattan in a spot where he can't come back. Like he can't come back to the earth because the only way that this peace is going to be maintained 
is by him not being there, by them constantly being in fear of him coming back. So he can yeah. never come back because of that. And it's, it's an interesting, and I'll be interested to see how they deal with that because that's one of those things that, that there's a, there's a, a throwaway line at the very end where somebody says something about, well, what, a, what happens when we forget about him or we forget about why we've come together? And so I think it's going to be interesting. How does, how is Veet going to maintain over these 20 years? How is he going to maintain the fear? of Dr. Manhattan without Dr. Manhattan being there. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm curious how the, the show is going to proceed after this, yeah. And it sounds to me like, from coming attractions, it looks like uh, Rorschach's got followers. Yeah, it looks like the that uh, people kind of take up the mantle of Rorschach, so uh, however that, uh, that happens. Let's see, I'm looking through my notes, and oh, I absolutely loved that fight where we see that the Night Owl and Silk Spectre have basically kept themselves in shape mm. throughout what they still have their fighting styles. Because you think at first that, you know, he kind of looks like he's put on a few pounds and she's <laughs> maybe slowed down. She's, you know, she's still fit, obviously, but he kind of looks like he's kind of slowed down. But when they, when they go into that fight in the alleyway, you can definitely tell that they have, they have kept up they have kept up their skills. They have not lost a beat because they're killing and they kill. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they, they, he, he breaks that one guy's arm where the bone comes out yep. and she's kicking and, and killing guys. And so I really love that, that scene that we get to see that they are still just as deadly as they were, you know, a few years ago. Now they, they give us a short, kind of a shortened timeline that I think it's only been five or 10 years since they stopped being heroes. And or so 15, it, I think maybe. Yeah. I think somebody said 15 years. It, yeah. It was the, the little person that was uh, talking to Rorschach in the prison. He goes, you put okay. me in here 15. And, he, yeah, and the guy next to him goes, yeah, 15 years boss. That's it. Yeah. And so it sounds to me like towards the end, they were still capturing people, but. Yeah, yeah. So sometime in the nineteen, there in the nineteen seventies, they got outlawed and stopped. So, uh, so I just love that they, they've kept that whole thing. And obviously, the comedian became part of this kind of black ops stuff that the the United States was doing. And yeah, especially when he says it in one scene to the night owl, stating he goes, he goes, yeah, well, this is all we got, and he's like very into his idea of stopping the crowd with the with the smoke grenades and everything. Yeah. And, and that's, he, that was, yeah. yeah. And, and he brings up the whole, uh, government thing where they have to unmask or show their identities. Right. And that, that had to be some point in the seventies when, when they're, they're stopping those riots. And so I can't remember when were the Watts riots. Was that 75? Yeah, it 70s, was within the 70s. Yeah. yeah, it was in the 70s. That's what it looked like to me, was it looked like kind of a New York kind of area where they're stopping this riot. And that was the last straw for Night Owl, was he sees he sees that comedian has given up his identity. He's going to just do whatever the government tells him to do. And that's kind of Night Owl changes his mind and goes into retirement at yeah. that point. So, yeah, so... And also, to, to top on that whole prison scene with Rorschach, that was amazing, though. Ugh. It was so brutal, but it was so right to the character that we see in the comic, especially how he talks to, like, <laughs> the, yeah. when he's taking the Rorschach test, and he's yeah. just giving them what they want to hear, and in his mind, you see images of, of the, what yeah, he the, really sees. Yeah, I I absolutely loved that they pulled some some 
specific images from the comic and put it into put those into this movie in in, in with their camera that that scene at the end where Doctor Manhattan gets gigantic and he looks down through the top of the glass globe that's a direct panel out of the comic yeah you know where he where he reaches in and grabs Veet and that scene where where Rorschach says I gotta put it in my notes I'm not locked in here with you you're locked in here with me and then he throws the frying oil on the guy and fights all those those prisoners that's straight out of the comic book exactly panel for panel how they did it in the comic book and it just it was just amazing how they recreated some of these scenes oh yeah and if you guys are out there that are listening if you have the blu-ray movie they came out with a panel to panel blu-ray of the comic and almost like a uh, picture form but Almost like a cartoon. Oh wow! And it's exactly like the uh, the comic from what I I have it. I haven't watched it in a while, but I haven't I haven't looked at the special features. The Blu-ray that I have is a three disc three hour. I watched the three hour version <laughs> of this on Saturday, and it's uh, it's just great. But I didn't pull out the other two special features discs. Oh no, this was a separate uh, disc. Oh, was it a separate? Okay. Yeah, they did this about maybe. I would say uh, two years after the Blu-ray of this movie came out. Okay. And it was like set as like a companion. Like, well, if you love this movie, here's Mm -hmm. the actual comic book in its form, but almost like in a cartoon format, but it shows you as like a comic book panel with people voicing with motion. Very cool. Yeah. Let's see. I'm looking through my notes to see what else. Oh, the, the, just the tragic death of, of Hollis Mason was just, I, I just, it, it's so unfortunate. And I don't remember, I think this is right out of the comic book, isn't it? The, the way Hollis Mason dies with those guys thinking he's the night owl that did the, that, that was fighting in the, the alleyway, but it wasn't, it wasn't Hollis Mason. It was night owl two. Yeah. And so they go and they break into Hollis Mason's apartment. Yep. He's three or four guys and they kill him. But we see that even he, even though he's in his sixties, he's kept up and he's still able to fight and he holds his own for a while before those guys just kind of, you know, they overtake him. He hasn't, he's not quite as fit as the comedian. I did do the math on the comedian, and according to the headstone, he was born in 1918, yep. which would make him 67 in uh, 1985. So he definitely had the age to span those years, and I agree with you totally that they, they did a great job of making Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I don't know if he bulked up for this part, and then I think this is right around the same time he did The Losers, so mm. I, think he was, I think he was kind of bulked up for it, but they probably added some padding. Oh, definitely. To him as well to make him look him look bigger, and they had to make him look older. The age makeup on him was really good as well as uh, Carla Gugino. And uh, they actually do... She states it herself at one point in the movie that she's 67. Right, and right. And so you could just factor in the ages and figure out mm-hmm. where they are at in their lifetime. I absolutely love the, the cameo or the brief bit we get with Matt Frewer as Moloch. Yeah. I thought that was really great. I had forgotten that he was in this movie, and it wasn't until I saw that scene between him and Rorschach that I was like, that's Matt Frewer. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, I forgot about him. And, uh, yes, it's great. So I love I love Jackie Earl Haley's portrayal of Rorschach. He's another one where they actually had to make him look younger Yes, when they did this movie because he was in his 40s or 50s. 
I want to say when this when he did this movie and they make him look much younger because Rorschach's supposed to be like thirty something. I think thirty five is what they say at one point, or maybe I read that in the trade. They they uh, they call it. They say he's thirty five, a thirty five year old male. Yeah, because when he was working with the others, he was in his early twenties, so just starting mm-hmm. his twenties. Yeah, and the best is is too with Jackie Earl Haley. He's actually bald, and they had to put a wig on him for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I, that was one of those things because I saw him in Preacher. We saw him in the first season of Preacher playing mm-hmm. that character with it, that where he's bald. And uh, I didn't realize this was the same guy who played Rorschach in Watchmen until I started l- looking at it and went, oh, yeah, that's the same guy. <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's a really outstanding actor. And this was the resurgence of his career again, too. This yeah. came out. They picked him out of obscurity because he hasn't done a movie. Everybody remembers him from like the Bad News Bears or Breaking Away and stuff like that from the 70s. And oh, wow. That, and then uh, that's how I remember him as a kid. And then out of like they plucked him out of obscurity and just here. And then his name became popular to put him in after that. So it led to like TV shows and movie cameos doing side parts. And then eventually you got... Uh, the remake for Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. And then... Okay, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I did not realize that he... Uh, I, I guess I just didn't pay enough attention in the 70s and 80s, uh, or the 80s at least, uh, of of how who he was, and I didn't look back at his career. I don't... Like I said, I didn't know anything about him until this movie, and I didn't really know much more about him. I, I mean, I've seen, as you're saying that, I, I remember... I can remember seeing he's, he's one of those actors that's just very good character actors, and unless he's bald, you're not gonna, yeah, really pick it. Kind of like um, Joey Pants, <laughs> Joe uh, Joseph uh, Pantoliano. Yeah, you know, you you see him in everything, but you never remember who he is because he's such a good character actor of playing different things. Yeah, he did comic book movies. He did Daredevil. Yep, and he was yep. in the Matrix, which actually launched his name again. But then I think he did some stuff for like in The Sopranos and things like that. Yeah, he's he's done he's done a, a ton of stuff. He was in Bad Boys, Bad Boys Two. So yeah, he's he's done a ton of things. Um, I'm glancing through my notes. Well, the one thing I could say about this is the movie to me was more like a piece of art while watching it. If you look at it, just the way the images were, the the costumes in it. I had the trade in my hand as I was oh, watching yeah? it to look back and forth. And the color schemes and everything look far better on the movie than they did in the actual comic. Uh, oh, yeah. It was like right in your face, bright and brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the way they filmed it was with every scene was done beautiful. Like a, it was like a beautiful stroke of, of the brush while like painting it. You know, it's like it was like kind of like art to me. Very similar to Sin City, but Sin City for the most part was like black and white mixed in with certain scenes and shading. Yeah, absolutely. There there was even there was a few a few scenes where I thought they had gone to animation with it. It was so just the it was so the way it was shot and I was like, wait a minute, is this no, this isn't animated. And it but it really just the way they filtered it and the way uh, like you said, and I I did the same thing. I had the trade right next to me and like I said I especially when I saw that that image of Dr. Manhattan coming over the top of that, you know, glass roof. I was like, man, that looks really familiar to me. And I had to flip through the trade until I found it. And I was like, yep, there it is. Exactly like like that. And almost the exact same conversation that he has with Veet. I loved, and I didn't put it in my notes, but it, it, another one of those things that's straight out of the comic book is when Dr. Manhattan walks into that accelerator, particle accelerator, whatever it was, with the, with the dog beast thing. And Veet scatters his atoms. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and he comes back and he says, I'm disappointed in you. You know, re, what did he say? Reintegrating myself was the first thing I learned how to do after the accident. So why would you think that would kill me? You know? <laughs> so it was great. And that's literally straight out of the comic book. Like that's, oh, yeah. you know, and it's just one of those things that I just really, again, I'm really looking forward to next weekend or this weekend and seeing what they do with this story, with this universe moving forward. Are they going to come up with something different, some sort of different concept, or is the world still going to be in the fear of Dr. Manhattan mode? That's what I'm interested to see. I have a funny feeling it's going to be a new story altogether. I think the Dr. Manhattan story would be pretty much been closed already. You would think they've got to reference it, though, because that's the only way that they have a utopian, if they still have a utopian society. Now, maybe they have it. Maybe the utopian society, maybe when we get to this TV show, maybe the utopian society has broken down. Mm. And they don't, you know, maybe we're not even going to see Feet. Maybe we're not going to see Osmandius. Maybe we're not going to oh, see... Oh, we do see Osmandius. Do we? Okay, so... So, yeah. I, so I would think they're going to have to reference, at least let us know what the world, you know, if there was a point where the world said, you know what, we don't care about Dr. Manhattan anymore. We're not scared of him. And wherever he is, we, I would love, and obviously they don't have to use Patrick Mason and Malin Acker, Ackerman, uh, Ackerman, uh, I can't say her name. Ackerman? Um, Ackerman, is that her name? How does she say? Anyway, Night Owl 2 and Silk Spectre 2. They don't have to bring those actors back if they don't want to, to play the aging, you know, because they should still be alive somewhere, I would think. 20 years, 15, 20 years. Yeah. You know, so those characters could be brought back. Obviously, the they could take anything with Dr. Manhattan because they don't have to age him. Mm Mm-hmm. If they do bring him back. And they don't have to get the same actor if they need to, because it's going to be all CG anyway. Yeah, exactly. And and even for Ozymandias, they don't necessarily have to, because... Yeah, it's 25 years later or something. Yeah, Ozymandias is definitely a different actor. Right. They can can definitely use different actors in these roles, and I don't think anyone's going to be mad about it. No one's going to be, like, even with all the... Because we've not seen, I don't think we've seen in TV shows, as big budget as HBO has, we've not seen them do the age, the age progression CGI like they've done in some of these Marvel big budget Marvel movies. So I don't think we're going to see that in in this TV series. So I think we've we've broken into what we're looking forward to. Oh, definitely. Um, Well, I'm looking forward to you. We were talking about Ozymandias, and I just pulled it up. Jeremy Irons actually plays Ozymandias in this. Okay, in the TV series? Correct. Okay. So so we're definitely going to see that character. So that means that character with his brilliance and his genius is still going to be involved. They don't have anybody else. Uh, I see Louis Gossett Jr. is in here, but they don't list him as who it is what he plays but there are other new characters or new like heroes i guess they would be like uh looking mm-hmm. glass tim blake nelson who's been around too he's gonna be in it he's looking glass uh andrew howard plays red scare and then tom meissen plays mime sarah vickers plays marionette so these are all yeah, new so characters all new characters so i'm assuming haven't. they created something that was similar to it mm-hmm. and then they just put the you know it's like look, they have somebody named pirate jenny yeah. So, you know, these are definitely uh, hero names, so or people who are costumed. So, whether villains yeah, or so, heroes, who yeah. knows? I'm with you. I'm scrolling down through the list of characters now, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't think... It doesn't look like we're going to see any... Except for Adrian Veet, we're not going to see anybody 
from the original movie, it looks like. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I can't wait. I love, absolutely love Don Johnson. I think he is an amazing actor. He's been one of my favorites for years. You know, people joked about him with the whole Miami Vice thing. But if you watch, eh, that guy can act his ass off, oh, yeah. man. And uh, I just, yeah, I can curse yeah. on this. Um, <laughs> um, I'm scrolling through. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else on this cast list that's really, not that I, besides Jeremy Irons and Don Johnson, there's really, we got Francis Fisher. That's that's cool. Regina King. So there's a few few big names in there that... Uh, we're going to get to see how they how they interact in this universe and uh, yeah i'm definitely looking forward to see what they're going to do with the this universe are they going to address the dr manhattan question or are they going to leave it leave it alone and just uh, yeah i'm uh, i'm excited and well i i got a brief synopsis if we want to uh, give some spoilers of uh, of what they're going to be doing. Well, it's just a, a brief idea. This is something that they're going to head into. So basically, and this is coming from the uh, the showrunner, and he's hmm. saying to start off with, it's about white supremacy. A group known as the Seventh Cavalry adopts the Rorschach mask and begins targeting oh. police officers in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And to protect themselves, the police are forced to take on masks of their own. So the, that's what the producer states. Uh, the you know the to the producer the issues of race and policing felt like the equivalent of the nuclear standoff between the Russians and the United States in 2019. So that's how they started off. That's interesting because that is if you I just kind of gosh was it in the movie or did I did I read it in the trade that's almost how the heroes got started in the comic book yes is it was cops wanting to be vigilantes and they didn't want people to know who they were so they they wore masks and uh, yeah that's what uh, that's what Hollis Mason tells Night Owl 2 mm-hmm. is that that's that's ha- kind of how they started was they were all cops and they they wanted to so that sounds it's very interesting it's uh Hmm. Let's uh, we'll see what kind of political commentary we get on it as well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they're doing things according yeah. to the time yeah. okay. of what's going on nowadays, I guess. So. Well, then again, it's only what it would be only about fourteen years difference at most. Uh, yeah, it depends on when they when they said it. Like I said, I don't like. Are they saying twenty? Because if they say twenty years, twenty or twenty five, so it'd be two thousand. No, it would be two thousand ten. Twenty five years from nineteen eighty five would be two thousand ten. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. if it's if it's if it's twenty is if it's fifteen years, then yeah, that's two thousand. If it's twenty five yeah. years, that so that's what I'm saying is it's I don't know if it's going to be what kind of setting and that that is an interesting. But of course, it's it's totally it's a total alternate universe as well. So they can yeah. play with it however they they want to. I mean, heck, in the they don't really they don't talk about it a lot in the movie. They they kind of mention it, but definitely in the trade, you know what Nixon was on his fifth term in office yeah, or something yeah. like that, and they showed. <laughs> Nixon a lot in the movie too. Yeah, it yeah. always makes so, me laugh. So you never saw anything about Reagan or anything like that. No, no. They said the the very end of the movie when they're talking about what they're going to put in the newspaper when the guy goes to the to the bin. He says yeah. Ronald Reagan is talking about running for president in nineteen eighty eight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and, and the other guy goes, "We're not going to have an actor in the White House." So yeah, I, I uh, I'm interested to see what this vision of the future is is going to be. And uh, I'm sure are Alan Moore is Alan Moore involved in it at all or uh, I don't know I, don't I know the other guy so. the other guy totally has totally 
wants his name off of everything, didn't he? He wanted his name off the he didn't even want his name on the movie. Yeah. The other guy. Who was it? Alan Moore and I don't have the trade in front of me. Me neither. <laughs> All right, hold on. Regardless. Oh yeah, anyway, uh the other guy, he wanted his name totally taken off because he was he didn't want anybody to take what they did and make it into a different medium, which is interesting to me. Well, a lot of people like that with their own you know, it's their art, yeah, so they don't want to have it messed with. I got you. All right. Well, anything else? Any other comments for you, Mark? You're heading to Atlanta this weekend for the yeah. for Walker Stalker Con Atlanta. Uh, we'll be yep. excited to hear about your reports. I'm sure you'll be talking about it on your podcast, your other podcast as well. Yep. Uh, we'll. I'll be seeing uh, Zombieland 2. Yep. I'm definitely on Friday night when I get in <laughs> with a bunch of everybody else. Definitely, I will. I will definitely be seeing that on Friday as well. So I have a funny feeling I'll probably be watching Watchmen in the airport while waiting for the flight on Monday because it it yeah. premieres on Sunday, Sunday night. Yeah, I haven't I haven't set the time yet, and I need to see what my DVR is and how HBO. I know HBO when they were doing Game of Thrones, you didn't get the episode early. They didn't do what AMC premiere yeah. has done and, and let you have it early. So you couldn't get it until until it was airing. Yeah. Um, or so after, I'm definitely going to yeah. be, yeah, I'll definitely be DVRing it and probably still watching it on HBO Go as well. I have uh, subscriptions. and I'll have my tablet, so I'll be sitting in the airport with HBO now. There you <laughs> and go. And I'll be doing that. And then obviously I have to do my rewatch for Walking Dead, which I'm hoping we actually just do it with everybody at the convention center. So that way we that can, would be cool if they have a viewing. They do, viewing they there. do, and they also have a viewing at Nick and Norman's too. But you have to buy tickets in advance for that, right? But that's right. pretty far yeah. away. That's all the way out in Sonoy. Yeah, yeah. But. Okay. Well, other than that, so uh, those if you're listening to this, this should drop on Sunday the twentieth, the day that Watchmen starts. And so when when you hear this, go watch Watchmen, the TV series, and send us your thoughts on it. No, definitely. Uh, we'll probably try to set up some sort of watch thread, so that way, you know, you guys could leave your men, uh, comments and thoughts on that, or you could actually, you know, as we traditionally do, you could send your email and all that good stuff. Yeah, I will try to do a Facebook posting on Thursday or Friday for that with an image and uh, yeah. put it out there for people. <laughs> I know you'll be busy, so yeah, I'll, I will, I, it'll I will be hard. See what I, can do. <laughs> I will see what I can do about trying to get that out and put it in the, the right format and get all the information for people to get feedback to us. Because I, I really want to hear. I, I hope that we've got some people that are interested in this and they're going to let us know what they thought. Oh, definitely. And this is all new too, so we'll be doing one episode per week again. Yep, so. this is the just like Preacher, HBO's not going to drop us a whole season <laughs> in, in a night. So unfortunately, we'll be going week to week with one episode. Yep. And we'll fill in some sp- you know, we'll fill in some slots too if there's a break needed or things of that nature. So, yeah, we'll see if they do. I don't know if they're going to take a break. We'll see. I I wouldn't think so. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. You never know. Uh, other than that you can hear us on Spotify Google Play Apple iTunes or whatever podcast player of choice that you use if ratings are available please give us a five star rating and let us know if you can type up something for that rating say hey Mark and Steve great job or if you don't like us give us five stars still and tell us we suck I don't care (laughs) (laughs) but uh, also don't forget to check out our website at www.panelstopixelspodcast.com 
You can submit your theories and feedback on our Facebook page, as we were just talking about, which is facebook.com slash panels to pixels. There'll be a posting there. Uh, probably, maybe we might not be able to do a live watch this week, but we'll definitely have a feedback post up there. You can also email us at panels to pixels one at gmail.com. That's panels to pixels one. The word two spelled out right there in the middle and the number one at the end at gmail.com. Or you can call us and leave us a voicemail, 845-350-2095. Again, that's 845-350-2095. Act now. (laughs) (laughs) While supplies last. (laughs) You also can hear me. You heard Steve talk about it earlier. I am a co-host on the Walking Dead talk through with Brian Malosh on Talk Through Media. So this week we'll be getting into the second episode of The Walking Dead season, for season, season 10. Season 10, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be recording that tomorrow night. So you'll be getting it around the same time as this podcast comes up. So if you <laughs> are finished with this and you want to hear more of me, you could go to there or you could just, just continue listening to us. <laughs> with that, you could listen to us at talkthroughmedia.com. You could get the podcast through Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're currently working on a lot. The actual uh, website is still being worked on. And you could submit feedback there and go through talkthroughmedia.com's website to just, I think there's a feedback page you could actually do. So use our feedback, which is awesome. And there's a phone number as well. And as always, we want to promote every podcast on the Next Level Podcast Network and Talk Through Media Network. Both of those and Podcastica Network, all of them. There's great podcasts to be found on all those networks. Check out our friend Ben Beck, our boss, on all of his podcasts. And uh, just, uh, yeah, you can hear me. I don't know. Yeah, if you listen to podcasts about TV shows, you might hear my voice on one of them. I don't know. <laughs> depends on what you depends on what you're listening to. Um, Strange indeed, we'll be finishing up Carnival Row this week, so I'll be sending them a voicemail for the last episode of Carnival Row, and they're going to be starting. I think Black Mirror is coming back. One of them. No, oh, Castle Rock. Castle, Castle Rock is coming come back. back. Yeah, yeah they Castle Rock. Did Black Mirror. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, Black Mirror is coming back as well. They just don't have a date yet. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, Castle Rock, Castle Rock is uh, is starting up here in a week or two. And so I'll be submitting feedback for that one. And yeah, you can hear me on as I submit feedback to Walking Dead Talk Through and through, well, sometimes on Walking Dead Cast, you can hear me. Depends on if I send them a voicemail or not. <laughs> yep. So, wow. And a little bit of news. As we recorded this today, today Kevin Smith got his handprints, feet prints, and everything at the TLC Chinese Theater, which was oh, formerly congratulations to him. The, yeah. So congratulations to Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes for getting their uh, feet and hands permanently imprinted on the front uh, walkway of the old Grauman's Chinese Theater. Nice. So I think it's awesome. I was just so yeah. happy to watch that live today. But uh, I thought that would be a cool bit of news. Yeah, very cool. So that's all we have this week. I just want to thank everybody for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>